welcome to another episode of Standing 8. I'm Paul Fitzgerald and I'm joined by my co-host, three-time world champion and boxing hall of famer Jeff Finney. Great to be here, Paul. And the voice of Australian boxing, Ben Damon. Yeah, good to be here, Paul, and a really special guest. An honour to have John McLean here with us uh, today. I was going to give an intro, go through some of your achievements, but they're almost too numerous to mention them all. What, what are you most proud of that, um, that you've been able to achieve? I think there's probably two things. One is a, as an athlete to be the first wheelchair athlete in the world to do the Hawaiian Ironman. That was really special. Yeah. Um, and as a husband and father to cross the finish line, I was training for a triathlon when I had my accident back in 88, hit by the truck, uh, and to go back, you know, 26 years later to cross the finish line holding hands with my wife and son, um, that was equally a highlight as a, as a father. Yeah, if they were making a movie, that would sort of be your end, your end scene, do you think? That, that that seemed like a really emotional moment to have gone through that entire journey and, and, and wound back wound up back where it sort of started. It's funny you mentioned the movie, so that's actually underway. Great. Um, you might have seen the movie Lion with um, Deb yep. Patel and how all that happened. So it's a, that's, that's a true Australian story. A guy immigrated and got him. Yeah. He went home, which is awesome, right? You yeah. never picked it. So same thing, you know, you wouldn't have picked the guy getting out of the wheelchair and, and doing a triathlon and crossing the lights. So it's um, it's exciting that that's uh, unfolding. Unless they met you, and I just wanted to say this, um, there aren't too many people that um, I sit beside, I kind of feel a little overawed and intimidated by, and I kind of got goosebumps, and this guy um, gives me every time I see him, and I see him at a restaurants that we go to, and I see him at the park having a coffee, and I always feel pretty honoured to, yeah, to... Yeah, be associated and to know him and um, he's a true inspiration to, to anybody, any walk of life. Um, uh, know the John McLean story because there's um, – there's if, if, if we had more people like him, uh, the, the world would be such a better place. Yeah, definitely. Great to have you with us, my Thank brother. Thank you, sir. So, John, before your accident, you're actually a pretty good rugby league player. Oh, I think I was so average. Says. I think I was average. I, it, it's interesting how we kind of step away from ourselves and talk about, you know, what really is. I mean, I still call Jeff champ because, you know, if you're a three-time world champion, that equals that. Yeah. Um, I, I, as a little boy, I dreamed about playing first grade for Penrith. That was my dream. I managed to play reserve grade. So I'm going to say I was okay. Good players, you know, guys who were running around playing first grade. So um, I, I loved having that opportunity to run on Penrith Park all those years ago and uh, it was really special at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going through your story, it, it wasn't the easiest of starts. Um, what, what was your mum like? I've read a little bit about um, it, it obviously was difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, parents immigrated from Scotland. Um, McLean has a, has a surname. And I'm so glad they did, given growing up in this beautiful country, yeah. you know, opposed to growing up in Scotland. Mum suffered from uh, mental health, had a paranoid schizophrenia. So I spent the first five years in a foster home. Uh, and unfortunately, my mum uh, took a life. She jumped off the gap uh, when I was four. So that was a tough beginning. Um, and, and dad was obviously trying to uh, get his family together. He was advised to give the kids away. That's what happened back in, in the day. But he said, no, these are my kids. I'm going to look after them. So that's why we're in foster home. So he was working three jobs to get enough money to give us a start. And uh, he got on the list of um, housing commission houses out in Tregear in Mount Druitt. And that was, uh, that was our start to life. Um, were you aware that your mum had taken her life? No, I was only four. So right. I guess I was the baby and kind of being moved away. My sister, uh, Marion, two years older, she'll have some awareness. My brother, three years older, he would have more awareness. So um, I guess dad was just trying to, you know, he, he met uh, my my mother, um, not my birth mother, but my mother. Yeah. Um, their, their second date was going to the foster home and Dad's putting the cards on the table saying, this is the picture, these are my kids, if you want to be a part of this, then let's go forward. And full credit to uh, my mum, she took on us as three kids and uh, worked hard to give us every opportunity like uh, like all other mums. Uh, Paul mentioned rugby league, but obviously you're an endur endurance athlete <coughs> from the start. Um, what was your experience uh, in the endurance sports early on? Well, I actually think it was more speed. So little athletics was kind of my goal. I won a, yeah. a gold medal when I was 12, doing little A's. So um uh, and, and playing footy, and I was uh, centre wing. That was kind of my speed. Endurance built on the top of right. you know, going on after that. So um, I always had those kind of fast twitch fibres and always just loved sports. So my dream was imagine if you could get paid to do what you love um, and you make pe meet people along the way. So that was the John, start. what's giving you the inspiration and the dedication to continue to, to do what you do today? I just was telling the boys um, last night that, you came here a month or so ago and he said, Miss Jeff, can I use your ski erg for 15 minutes and just sat on a chair and start pulling this thing where we can't do it for three minutes. Uh, where, where do you get this, this drive and desire to, to keep pushing yourself the way you do? Well, I think it's um, I think it's intrinsic to the individual at an early age. If it is possible, which I think it is if you take the time to invest, what am I good at? And therefore that then is a strength and then put effort towards that because that then can create a life. And for me, uh, you know, again, dreaming about um, 
playing football, that, that was just unbelievable. And when I had my accident, that door closed and another door opened. Uh, my dad said to me after my accident, um, missed my dad, he was obviously very, uh, very powerful in terms of my life and gave me lots of inspiration. So first thing he said in hospital, he said, son, I would give you my legs if I could. And a father should say that to a son, but coming out of his mouth and being stoic, you know, being a policeman in Scotsman, uh, sorry, a policeman in Glasgow. Uh, and then after Mike's about 12 months after, I was just trying as hard as I could because my family doctor came to visit me in hospital and he said, John, don't worry, you'll be bigger, stronger and faster. And all that made sense in my head that I could go back and play footy and run around. And uh, in actual fact, he just planted seed in, in different directions. So 12 Did months after. Did you believe it? Did you believe it? Uh, 100%. Oh, wow. 100%. And then a lot of people sit there and people say things like you're. Unable to move, laying in a bed, and you know, think, "Wow, is this guy just trying to make me feel good? Is he is he bullshitting to me?" Well, no, it was perfect because uh, when I finally got home, um, uh, Dad got me back to Penrith, which is obviously the connection of, of the gym. Ron Oxley was the, the the trainer with the Panthers back in the day. Went to his gym, made a start, and therefore, you know, I pushed myself for twelve months. And then I was in the bedroom with my dad. And I said, "Dad, I'm trying really hard," which is imagine the hardest sessions you could do for twelve months, day after day. And um, Dad then said. This beautiful back to inspiration. He said, um, he said, son, you got hit by a truck. And that's when the light bulb went off. And he said, um, he said, son, how far can you go? And that was just a perfect question for me at that time to let go of running and football and stuff and then say, okay, what can I do as a wheelchair athlete? So that's where that inspiration came. And that's the name of your book as well. Yeah, I wanted to, my dad's past, I wanted to honour him. Yeah. Um, with, And I think it's also relevant for all of us around the, the globe, in particular now, like, you know, how far can we go in this current environment and what are we doing for ourselves and others? So I, I, that's the title of the book. Um, can you tell us about the accident? Yeah, so as best I can... Uh, Recollect from what uh, what we've understood over time. Fortunate for me, I got hit from behind. So uh, riding a push bike training for a triathlon, uh, the truck was about to overtake another truck, looked in the side view mirror. As he did so, the truck veered to the left, collided with a cyclist, and the truck kept on going. So there was a motorbike rider who was behind who saw the accident, continued to follow the truck, bipping the horn, waving to the driver until he pulled over, which is about a kilometre down the road. So not much damage to the truck, damage to me. Uh, broke my back in three places, uh, pelvis in four, right arm in two, fractured sternum, broken rib, a lot of all that stuff. But yeah. in particular, so lucky to be alive. I mean, how many people survive yeah, getting incredible. hit by a truck? Uh, no brain damage. My sister would probably argue that mm. point. Um, <laughs> and here I am now all these years later, you know, back on my feet again. So um, it, it was a very dark time initially to come to terms with the fact that, you know, Life's not going to be the same. Was the expectation at that time that you wouldn't be able to walk again? Well, the initial expectation, my dad uh, shared that with me uh, because I was taken from the scene of the accident to Westmead Hospital. Um, he was waiting with my mum for many hours to get in to see me and uh, eventually the surgeon said to my dad before he went in, he said, it's time to say goodbye to your son. And mm. I'm not one to <clears throat> over-dramatise, but um, that's that's what we don't expect him to live due to the extent of the injury. So I'm lucky that I pulled through that night and, um, and then obviously... When I realised, when I came out of the coma, because I was transferred via helicopter from Westmead to North Shore, I mean, when does a Mount Draw boy get on a helicopter? But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> different circumstances would be better. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if I, you I, steal I, I, one. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I passed out just before the thing took off, so I didn't get to enjoy the ride. But um, I remember coming out of the coma and the world of, uh, world of pain and then just trying to make sense of what, uh, what that's going to look like. I mean, isn't it crazy that we sit here and this is – in the infancy of our of our conversation, but I, I think, you know, I look at the world and how we are today and what we need to to make it a better place, and how the government spend money on certain things trying to motivate people and help people and give people the right mindset. Man, wouldn't it be great if the government listened to this guy and said, "Here, yeah, we're going to send him around to to all these schools or people that that need to to be motivated and to to know that." What, what you can achieve if you really want to. And I, mean, I think about it all the time. I think about certain people that are around us in our lives and I think about money wasted and lives that are wasted and then I think I'm sitting beside this guy who is what a real hero is supposed to be. I'm, I just fought because I was good and I was blessed and stuff. But when you talk about heroes, these are the heroes that we need to be putting in a place to, to teach these young kids who are doing all the wrong things. These are what they need to listen to. They don't need to listen to football players or boxers and stuff. They need to listen to people who have fought the, the greatest fight ever and, and been victorious and they, the message is, wow, it's, it's as strong as any other message I've ever heard without in trying to get this strong message across. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who in the positions of power to 
if, if, if kids need help, they, they need to sit there and listen to this podcast and listen to this guy speak and, man, you know, it's crazy. Definitely. John, what's, what was that mental battle like um, coming to terms with the fact that you're so active prior to the accident, you had big dreams, rugby league and triathlons, et cetera. What was that mental battle like post coming out of that coma? Yeah, so the other thing that happened which um, kind of think it's important to share, given that I was hit by the truck and my body was slowing down rolling on the bitumen and then collided with the, the guardrail. I think that's where I kind of did a lot of breaks. Um, every couple of hours in the hospital I had to lift you up so your skin's uh, raw, connects to the sheets, and so yeah. they ripped off every, you know, three or four hours to lift you up and turn you to the side to prevent pressure areas or pressure sores from forming, which is a spinal piece. Um, so the, the, the level of pain, discomfort is, I'm going I'm to say, quite high. So therefore... It's very easy to fall down and, and go dark. And, and I understand now because I fell down and went dark as well because the world literally in my world had come to an end. Um, and what happens when you fall, which we can appreciate for kids who are doing it tough and people in general are doing it tough, it's just an older version of that self. So, um, you know, there's depression and there's um, there's the anxiety piece and it's a, make, a sense of where am I going to go from here? What is my life going to look like? Because my dream has just been shattered. Um and then things started to change because the conversation I had with the guy on the other side of the ICU, he'd broken his neck uh, riding a motorbike and he couldn't move or feel from his neck down. So now you're going, hey, do you know what? Yeah. The world is really dark and now mm. it's a little bit lighter because there's someone yeah. who's worse off than yeah. me. Well, there always is somebody worse, isn't there? Exactly. And, and putting that into perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And then so eight weeks later, the, uh, the bones join back together. I'm introduced to the wheelchair. I go to the bathroom for the first time and see a reflection of myself. And I was repulsed because we, we all know what we look like. Right? We, we take the time to, uh, to do our best. But when your image of yourself is shattered and then all of a sudden it's like your nightmares come come to life and therefore, yeah, my, my conversation is I don't like what I'm seeing, how can anybody else and therefore you start to fall again and you get yeah. to the bottom of the barrel and you have a choice with that. It's either I'm not going to go on and call it a day and some do, some have, absolutely, or the other piece is, okay, it's time to climb back up again and there, there is a, a glimmer of light down the tunnel. So that's what keeps me going because I have been through that, uh, that space and life is worth living because I've had the near-death experience. Um, there's so much to look forward to so... Um, that's the bit that keeps me going. At that stage, was that that light at the end of the tunnel, um, <coughs> a, a wheelchair athletics career, and being able to achieve those sorts of things? Is that what uh, initially it, it was? Life. It right. was. It was fighting for life. And I, I don't share this with too many people, but I felt absolutely there was that time between I had a choice of living or dying because I, I felt this leaving the body experience hard to articulate, um, and obviously I was heavily sedated. But I also felt like I had a choice of you know. Maybe my time here is done and kind of move on. So every part of my being just wanted to live and therefore when you have that sense of grounding and purpose and foundation of life, it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And then when Dad said to me those beautiful words, how far can you go, that's like, okay, let all that baggage go, let the truck go, like let all that stuff go and therefore let's start from scratch and what 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 can I do and as a little boy I I, I used to watch the Hawaiian Ironman thinking these guys are oh, <laughs> unbelievable <gosh. laughs> like they're doing these all day and then the next minute I find myself doing a triathlon with my best buddy um the one that I was training for as, as the first wheelchair uh, triathlete in the country um and that then I was watching you know World Water Sports back in the day and here's the Ironman and here's Greg Welsh winning it 94 yeah. he's a wheelchair athlete trying it for the first time didn't finish and there's that choice again, that yep. opportunity, yep. that beacon was yep. like maybe I could be the, you know, I was so excited and then I put all the effort in the gym and all the rest of it to work towards uh, lining up, which um, opened that door. It's so crazy what you say, John, because um, when you say that you wanted to live, I've heard stories like Mike Tyson's trainer, Customato, had something to live for. He said if it wasn't for Mike Tyson back then, and I was in a dark place. If I if I said I wanted to die, I would have died. But I wanted to live because, uh, and and to see what Mike done and, and to see what he achieved. And I've I've seen it many times where a, a partner, um, a husband and wife, where they're both very very healthy, and one passes and, and the other one passes soon after because they don't want to live. But uh, hearing your story, mate, like I said, it, it gets more and more amazing. And every time I'm so proud that you're here and sharing it with them, all the people who are listening, the standing eight. I'm really proud. Well, you're a good mate, and thank you for the uh, thank you for the opportunity. I don't have a dark history, um, so it's nice to put a bit of light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get all types here. Um, the Hawaiian Ironman. So, what are the distances for a wheelchair athlete? Uh, for any athlete to do an Ironman, it's uh, it's three point eight kilometers. Oh, so you swim. Do, it's exactly the same. Yeah, Ironman yeah. triathlon means the same distance. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the longest 
well, actually, there's, there's more than that, but the Ironman in Hawaii is a 3.8-kilometre swim, a 180-kilometre bike ride, a finish off with a marathon. So you, if you're not already tired, <laughs> yeah. just stick the marathon just on the back. that on the end. But, but the yeah. other thing, John, is you've got to be the best of the best to even get a start to the Hawaiian marathon, don't you? So you've got to be pretty bloody good to even yes. get an invitation to compete. Well, it's interesting how you back yourself, right? Um, so I got so excited uh, by a, doing the triathlon I was training for, and I think all of us have mountains if we're if – we're, um, if we're set in terms of wanting to take that first step to climb that mountain. So all of us have opportunities to get a better view, kind of elevation point, and all of a sudden I thought, wow, you know, I did that triathlon with John and that was so good and people were clapping me like they were clapping everybody else, local triathlon in Penrith. Yeah. And then um, then I'm watching the Hawaiian Ironman and he's this wheelchair guy going, he didn't finish it. Then it's like, okay, I've now got a goal to work towards. I know where the mountain is. It's called Hawaii. And what do I need to do? So I needed to race against uh, that particular gentleman. John Franks was his name. And I was fortunate enough to, to win and therefore go as a demonstration athlete. And to, I've got to tell you guys, to be there back in the game of life and, you know, just, just that, that vibe of being interviewed by NBC and Channel 9 and, you know, helicopters and all this sort of stuff. To be able to compete. Well, that, the thing is, like, it, my my dream had literally come true but in a different way. So when I uh, accepted the fact that I wasn't going to do all that stuff and when Dad said, how far can you go, I really embraced John McClain, wheelchair uh, athlete, and all that came along with that. So I was just trying my best um, and, you know, doors started to open and the experiences. And, and, again, you've got to go through a whole lot of pain or discomfort to then get comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can talk about it today because I've been through that. A couple of things that came along. Well, you, you, you were able to do a TV commercial with Ali and Michael Jordan. Wow, I'm jealous. I, all the, I mean, <laughs> I'm jealous. It's pretty amazing. Well, there was a couple of things. Uh, first of all, with uh, with Nike, kind of did a, uh, a commercial with you know a paraplegic swimmer in the English Channel. That was unusual. Uh, and then, obviously, leading up to the games in Sydney to be a part of that campaign, the Sorry campaign, you might recall. Uh, it was huge, right? And all that. And eventually, here's a good one. So I'm sponsored by Gatorade in the US. Um, and you remember the little boy who just wanted to run on Penrith Park, play first grade. So yeah. now we're talking a bigger picture, right? So I get this email and it, it was from Gatorade. and said, John, we're doing a, a rebrand and we'd love for you to be a part of it. We've got a few athletes. So the list was Jordan, uh, uh, Ali, uh, Woods, uh, Serena William, Bolt. It just goes on. And I was like, okay, I get Let it. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the white guy. <laughs> I'm the white guy in the wheelchair just yeah. to kind of give it a little bit of balance. <laughs> <laughs> So I go over there to this place called the Mondrian, which I think you've been to. Mondrian, yeah. Yeah. And um, Spike Lee walks over. So I'm a huge lover. You know, yeah, yeah. The greatest documentary, in my opinion, of all times, uh, When Were Kings? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, Ali, this is for me. So he, Spike Lee was in there, right? So he walks over and he says, uh, Hi, John, my name's Spike Lee. <laughs> I said, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, <no>, no. <laughs> I'm surprised you know who I am. <laughs> so he goes, oh, I just want to say something to you. You've travelled the furthest, but don't underestimate the value you bring to this campaign. I was so honoured that he was kind enough to. And I, I then said to him, I said, I just want to say something, the greatest documentary, you were in there. And then he said, he's following you tomorrow. Do you want to meet him? And that in reference to meeting uh, Ali. I was like, nah, nah, I'm right. No, you said you want to spar a couple of rounds with him. Yeah. I said, I said, I'm busy. I've got stuff going on. So to have that opportunity to, you know, to get a cuddle from Ali and then, you know, to that that commercial was aired at the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, so privileged and excited to have had that opportunity to meet, you know, again, amazing people um, from a boy who grew up in Triguri, Mount Druitt. What was that experience like meeting Ali? It was huge. So I gave him a cuddle um, yeah. and was rubbing him like a Aladdin's lamp. You know, you kind of like, <laughs> yeah. like literally. Wish for something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just thinking, can some of that magic rub off on me? But, um, you know, just watching his life from afar and, you know, him going anywhere in the world and just kind of just standing there and all of a sudden people would come to him it would elevate because he stood for more than sport. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He stood for things that were a lot more important. And the guy who actually I met during my piece, a guy called John Carlos. So I, I didn't know about this name, John Carlos. So John Carlos uh, came second uh, – sorry, came third in the 1968 Mexico Olympic Games. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's very powerful for what happened at, mm. the, at the presentation, the yeah, Black Power Salute. Protest, yeah. So um, the other guy that was there, a guy called Peter Norman, Australian. Yeah, of course. So he, Incredible oh, yeah. story, Peter Norman, yeah. It's so unbelievable to sit down and speak with John Carlos and he talked about what happened leading into yeah. that. So, you know, to meet with Martin Luther King Jr. and, talk, and to meet with Jesse Owens, all these uh, was just phenomenal and uh, s such a privilege to have a moment in time. Yeah, of course. It's enough names now, mate. Starting to, <laughs> yeah. Starting to my, my collection, mate. Relax. <laughs> You've, uh, I knew I shouldn't have got him. <laughs> you spent a bit of time in the US, John, travelling around and, and speaking to a variety of different people. What was that, what was that like? 
Well, the weirdest thing that happens over there on a regular basis, kind of a ha-ha moment, is my name is John McLean, and for people who are old enough, yeah. it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, is it Bruce Willis? Is yeah. it kind of, you know, die hard and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's Yeah, it's been a real privilege to have an opportunity to tell stories, and I think to Jeff's point, uh, people need to hear people to help them to get excited, to lift up, to take that first step. And my story uh, is just a series of getting knocked down and getting back up again, I guess you could use that in the boxing analogy oh, as well. Weird. That's the name of our podcast, Standing 8. Beautiful. So, um, you know, it's really nice to help lift people up. And so many people have lifted me along my journey and I feel obligated that it's the right thing for me to do the same for others. And uh, I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to tell stories that are true um, and inspire people to ask themselves the question, how far can you they can go? Tell a few little, you can make up a couple <laughs> that make, makes it the, the podcast better, mate. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think um, the thing that uh, – when in the US we talk about transformation as a change, yeah. transforming, changing. In Australia, Trigir Boy, I talk about, well, it's change. We're all changing and the environment that's happening at the moment, we're changing. How do we adapt to that change? So people often struggle with change because it's hard, right? You get comfortable in your chair. You don't want to get out of it. Why would you want to get out of it? So I'm talking about challenging yourself all the time to get uh, uncomfortable, to change, to make the most of the situation. So what I'm doing at the moment is all about changing mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it's exciting. People must- don't realise I, I was a man drill boy for a year and a bit. I used to go around to a tech every morning um, for bricklaying. My apprenticeship right. money used to go to yeah. every morning from St Peter's. Should have stuck Jordan. with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, John, uh, you noticed um, Jeff's uh, Sydney Olympic torch over there. The uh, home Olympics would have been an incredible experience. Well, here's one for you. So what is the opportunity to have uh, be a part of the Olympic Games you know, as a my initial goal was, hey, how cool would it be after doing the Ironman and swimming the channel, how cool would it be to be a part of the Paralympics? Yeah. I'm going to pick wheelchair racing because it's, you know, the most competitive. It would be really nice to get in amongst that and see what how far I could go with that piece. Um, and as that story has continued to unfold, there was an opportunity to be part of a demonstration event. Mm. Um, so to go to Switzerland to qualify. And it was so uh, so special to be a part of that. So here's the build-up. You've done commercials for Nike and for Holden and now you're carrying the Olympic torch down your street yeah. with the buzz wow. that went with that. And the, the best part for me was uh, a young girl was next to me. She was like the guide and she had no chance of getting the torch, right? And I looked at her <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? This is really cool. Can you hold this for us? And just to see her... Like mm-hmm. light up. It's that opportunity. And Dad said to me as a boy, he said, son, it's it's always better to give than receive. Always. So that was really special to have, uh, you know, those moments. And then it's Greek saying. And then uh, over time, and this is another interesting one, uh, through Gatorade, Gatorade had said to me, whatever you want on our, uh, on our roster, uh, you have access to. And I said, what does that mean? And I said, well, whoever we look after, you've got private access to. Okay. So I was like, okay, it'd be pretty cool to meet with Jordan and you know, do all that stuff. And I met uh, one of my friends along the way in the US and I went to his son's bar mitzvah and he was into basketball. So we organised for Jordan to sign to Brian, that's his name, uh, all the best Michael Jordan on a Bulls 23 top. And I got what my dad said in a big way because that ability, yes, John McClain would have loved to have met <coughs> Michael Jordan, but to see a boy get something that he yeah. would have never expected was so much more than that. Yeah. So from carrying the Olympic torch to, you know, having those experiences, um, it's, it's certainly been a ride. Are you satisfied with what you achieved in the Paralympics? You, you did medal um, in Beijing. Yeah, so two, two, two games for me. One was in Sydney, which yeah. was uh, amazing. I think where I went wrong in Sydney is that uh, in the Paralympics, so we did the 4 by 4 which you're racing. Uh, what did we do? The 1,500, 5,000, 10,000 in the marathon. What I learned from that was so everything. Well, well, remembering, I've just lost twenty kilos from the English Channel yeah. to then get into a racing wheelchair. Of course I, you have. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I just wanted to have the opportunity to represent my country. What I learned was the guys who did really well, and maybe I may have been one of them, just focused on one event, and they so they fast forward time eight years. Uh, went to uh, Beijing with rowing with my rowing partner, and we picked up the silver. Got beat by less than a second to China, and congratulations to them. I think their protein powder. Yeah, uh, vitamin a little, bit, a little better than yours. <laughs> exactly, a little bit better. <laughs> and there's, there's bat, there's bat they weren't relying on, on Gatorade. <laughs> 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 but again, you know, a wonderful experience to have that opportunity to represent. It's it's really special, and obviously, champs done that many times. Do you think that um, illicit drugs are such a or performance enhancing drugs are such an issue in um, in Paralympics as they are in the Olympics? I'm going to say in all high level sports. Yeah, right. Um. You mentioned the channel. Uh, that would have been uh, quite a difficult prospect. Did you, you – you tried a couple of times, didn't you? You tried once and the weather was no good and had to go again? Yeah, so what I do in terms of change, I do a couple of things. First, 
leading into the channel. First thing is uh, map out a plan. Right. Okay, so what's a plan? English channel. Next thing is the mindset. Do you have a positive mindset that will enable you to do that? Because if you don't, forget mm. about it. You don't it. want to start that, so yeah. That, this, is, this is M5, by the way. Comes up. But the next thing is a mentor. So access someone who's been there and done that. That was Des Renford done it 19 mm-hmm. times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Next bit is about motivation. Motivations. people say you've got to have it at the start. I say you've got to have it towards the back because, you know, at the start everyone's happy for you to be yeah, there. Yeah, of course. Uh, at the start of the whole and I, man, there's lots of motivation. You need it towards the back end of the marathon yeah. to get you to the finish line. So, And the last one's momentum. So measure what it is that you're doing. So the channel, we worked out what it is that we wanted to do. We had access to someone who had done it. We built a bit of a program. And, you know, seven months later, I find myself over there taking one stroke at a time. And we uh, we swim for six hours. The captain of the boat said, it's going to get rough, so you've got to get out. I'm like, I've just paid 1,200 pounds. pounds. Um, there's a documentary crew here from Gatorade. They've invested $100,000 into the marketing budget. I'm not getting out now because, you know, I've put on 20 kilos. I want to get to the other side. Well, the conditions didn't allow anyone to get across that particular, or even team members to right. get across because it blew up to a force five, four, six. Force turns a hurricane to give you some indication. Okay. So um, uh, I, I get pulled out of the water. We get back. My brain's spinning like, you know, this doesn't make sense. This and then all of a sudden um, I realised I've got to go and meet the captain of the boat. So uh, my coach and I, we went to meet him at the pub, bought him a couple of pints, and I said, oh, I'd like to have another go. And he goes, no, you had your chance. So I bought him a few more pints. <laughs> and over time, he said, he said you know what, uh, stick around and I'll try and find another spot for you. So I was so lucky. Uh, 13 days later, I got a second opportunity after nine hours of swimming. And uh, and we did. We got across in 12 hours and 55 minutes. So um, it was nice to get uh, to the other side. <laughs> what's the hardest? The Hawaiian Ironman is the toughest thing you've done or the channel or what, what's the hardest? Oh, there was another event that a buddy of mine, um, he said, I'll come up with an event and we'll do it together. So he came up with this thing called Ultraman. So Ultraman's back in Hawaii in Kona, uh, but this is Ironman times three. So the first bit is a 10K swim followed by a bike ride of 145 elevation uh, 10,000. So it's a decent climb. Yeah. Next day is a 275 bike ride elevation 4,000 and the last day is a double marathon. So yeah, that's, like, been, that's what I was telling you we should have done. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. do yeah. double lock it in, too many points that David <laughs> yeah. was telling you. I prefer the points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw you guys out there. You guys were yeah. flying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, how long does that take you? Well, that's, uh, there's 12 hours each day to get through. Right. So on the second day I was toast um, and they, they were kind enough to after, I don't know, like eight hours, but they allowed, they allowed me to start the third day just unofficially just to finish it off. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty tough See, day in the office. Now when I listen to this, I think that truck did do with a brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> Who in the shit now wants to go and do that themselves? I'd it rather get idea. Hit, I'd rather get hit by the truck, brother. <laughs> get me on that pile while I get by the truck. I'm not doing that shit. John, how do, you, how do you maintain such a positive outlook on life? So many people these days suffer with anxiety and depression and they, that roller coaster of life. Is it because you set yourself these amazing you know, challenges that not many people can achieve. Is that what drives you and keeps you going, keeps you positive? Like, yeah, you put that down to? So it's the mindset. Um, and we become what we think we are, meaning there's neural networks that take place in our brain that creates patterns. And stuff. So if you have a, um, a negative disposition to start with of self and external, people talking to you, going, you know, you're no good, you're never going to amount to anything, one or two things will happen, you'll fight back, go, I'll show you, or you'll believe it. Yeah. So therefore we start to believe our own conversations. If we keep on telling ourselves that, um, you know, it's not a good day, I'm not going to worry about doing anything, what's the point in doing it? You can see how you start to slide. And I mentioned that when I was in the spinal unit, but the opposite of that is to go, okay, I want to be optimistic. I want to live life. I chose to live life 32 years ago, so therefore I want to make the most of life. And that piece around going, okay, we can also change our mindsets we, we can. We have the opportunity to do that if we want to change. So therefore, what do we need to do about positive affirmations, having people in and around, creating pictures that they want to work towards, that makes sense because, it, you know, it's their pictures. And then you bring those pictures to life. So I'm not going to say that uh, my mother died of mental health and therefore there's medication that needs to take place for, for some. Um, but some people say the glass is half empty uh, and, and I choose to see it as uh, half full. Well, I've got something to tell you, Mr McLean. You know, the reason why I haven't been taking your call of late is because when you walked into my gym that day and you told me you just want to use that scoop for 15 minutes and I was thinking how how good I am when I do it for three minutes and I stopped. <laughs> but that's why I haven't taken your call. Well, you embarrassed me. I don't want you back in the gym with me. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, let's, let's talk about now where we're up to today and what that looks like. So Uh-oh. I said to Jeff and I rang him when you were overseas, when you had your heart condition, just to kind of touch base, 
obviously you think about your friends, you, you do something. Yeah. And uh, he said, what are you up to? I said, I'm trying to improve my walking. And he goes, well, when you're ready, I'm ready. So, um, you know, just about technology is now helping me with carbon fiber leg brace stuff to take some steps. And, you know, every morning I do the, the lap of timbrel here just to try and improve and see what that can look like. And that's, again, another thing to get out of bed to look towards to say, maybe one day we could walk five kilometers, mm -hmm. maybe more. So it's that piece around having something to look forward to. I think when you look at life, if you can find a win along the way, that's great, whatever that looks like. So um, it's about trying to find that and taking those steps forward. Well, that, that's the other thing. I mean, you were an incomplete paraplegic for 25 years. And I mean, you walked in here fine today. Tell us about yeah, how so you're walking. And I'm still an incomplete paraplegic. Uh, my spinal cord was damaged and the MRI will kind of share that or show that. Um, so now what I'm using is technology to assist what I have access to. Um, I'm very fortunate to, again, you know, be uh, a, a para versus a quad, incomplete versus complete. Complete means that you've damaged your spinal cord, no movement beyond where the spinal cord's damaged and no feeling on the way up. I think the one thing that you use better than anything is your, is your mental capacity. I think I've never met anybody as mentally as tough as you or um, I've never really met anybody that can set himself a goal that could seem impossible to anybody else but you just keep achieving them. So um, I think it's, yeah, I, I always say it's first from the head, then from the heart. Everybody talks about people with big hearts. I don't even, I believe everybody's heart's the same size. I just believe it's, uh, yeah, what we're trying to do and it's what you what you mentally believe you can do and, that, and that's how you do it. It's true because you think about it this way. Um, back, back on the spinal cord, what, what does a spinal cord do? It helps you to move and helps you to feel and therefore it has to start at the top and work its way down. Example, I put out your right hand and wiggle your fingers. It's happening here and it's going down. Does that make sense? Yeah. So therefore your thought is controlling what you choose to control. Is it a dark day? Is it a light day? Am I going to take a step? Am I not? My ultimate goal on, on crutches, because I need that for, for support, is is it possible to do a marathon using my legs? I don't know, but are you prepared to try? Well, the answer is yes. What do I need to do? What team do I need to build around to enable me to do that? What motivation do I, do I need in and around me to help me when it gets really tough? Oh, well, you definitely need Team Damon. He's one of, the, one of those amazing fitness <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, that was the point part of it with the points. Is that what you're aiming towards now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. I, I want to kind of scale back and say, you know, I, I, I'm now doing two bits. One, I'm trying to go as fast as I can, which right. is – just over here, this, <laughs> this loop. Which, and then I try and get the patterning right. So right leg, yeah. left pole, left pole, right leg, that, which is a lot slower, but just getting that patterning. So I thought, okay, let's set ourselves a target of doing that five times. And if we can do that, then maybe we can do more. And I think all of us have, this is good, all of us have a line, meaning um, I'm trying to get as close as I can to mine. Uh, Jeff was kind enough to show me a bolts, uh, spike from running. So I, I think I'm going to say that he got as close as he could to his line. I'm going to say that Ali got as close as he could, Jeff got as close. There are examples of people that have gotten close to their line. I mean, we can only ever jump so high and run so fast. And therefore the question is to others, how close are you to your line? Back to this thing, I don't yet know what it looks like on my legs. I don't. But I'm excited to explore what that could look like. And if I don't make it, I can be confident enough that I tried to do that. And back to Dad, how far can you go, son? He meant that for life, not just a, you know, like a, a year or two. It's great that you say because I tell everybody, you know, I used to have this, we had a sign in the gym and it said winning was and everything was the only thing. But I think it's a really bad analogy for anybody to read and think because I just think that if you try hard enough, um, I'll tell all my people who I train in, in, in anything they do, mate, you give it your all and, and you're a winner. You know, you, there's, I mean, you know, there's, for me there's no second. If you if you try your best and that's the best you can do, you, you, you win. You know, that's, that's just the way it is, you know, you're a winner. Absolutely. Because I think back, back to uh, Usain Bolt, imagine, imagine being a sprinter in Olympic final and he's in the race. It's kind of hard. To, you're really going to say to yourself, I'm going to win it. Like, yes, you want to have that mindset. Absolutely, but, <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> it's, it's highly likely you're not. Yeah. But back to trying your best. That's the bit. You, you're absolutely right. If you can make an Olympic final, like how big is that? And as long as you know you're prepared properly, you've done everything you, you had to do to, to give your body and give yourself the opportunity to, to, to perform at its best then, then – I don't know. I mean, I mean, you don't win, but like I said, so Usain Bolt, there's a Muhammad Ali in front of you, there's a Mike Tyson, you've done pretty well. When you made that decision that you wanted to walk again, um, did you have to sort of leave the chapter that had just occurred behind, the wheelchair athlete chapter? Love it. Um, yes, so each day I wake up, it's a brand new day. Right. Meaning um, it's really nice and I'm honoured that I have the opportunity, but imagine if you would that neither of us have done anything previously. So here's the one more title. I haven't done anything. You haven't done anything. And we've got, and we're, okay, what are we going to do today? Yeah. 
you can see how that starts off with potential to go, oh, I don't know what I want to do. What would that look we like? We start dreaming again. Exactly. And it's yeah. back to this piece of it. And it's people who chase their dreams get close to getting them and some get them, right? If you don't chase them, they don't come and knock on your door and go, here I am. Here's a world title. Here's this. You've got to go and chase them. So, yes, to the answer to that question, um, I have no connection back to any of that at all. I can relive it on videos and that's sometimes nice, but after a while it gets a bit boring reading the same book and you're just having the same conversation. Yeah. Like, and that's now the legacy for, for him, right, is to be able to give back to Brock and others and therefore all that experience goes. So for me it's like I'm trying to take my next step. That's all that really matters and therefore what can that look like? So I, I don't attach to anything from yesterday. I delete, keep pushing that delete button, and then we go, what is it? Because that opportunity to explore, nothing holds that back. Rather than, well, you know what, I did a racing, I did a marathon in an hour 35 in a racing wheelchair. That was really yeah, fast. You don't want to really see what you've done yesterday. You want to see if you can do something a little bit better the next day. Revision mirror. Improve, like, it, improve it, improve it. No time in the revision mirror because if you keep doing that, you're going to crash. And therefore, it's like, you know, how do I improve? And Well, let's try it. Maybe there's little boys and girls in the world who are in similar situations with their injuries or maybe they're I'm birth sure there are thousands. They can look at it and go, do you know what, if that guy can do that, Maybe so it's the New York. That's the, exactly right. Maybe it's the New York Marathon that will walk together, or whatever it's going to be. But the people who see that, that then get inspired to chase their own dreams. So um, I delete yesterday, embrace today. What was the physical process of walking again, uh, the tremor therapy, and, and everything else? Yeah, so lucky to spend time with Ken Ware. There's someone who you know, maybe not dissimilar to Johnny. He was the guy that kind of assisted that uh, that steps for me. Um, initially, I went up there with a sore shoulder thinking, you know, I've done a, a lot of rotations over years. Yeah. Uh, after Beijing, I wanted to go to Rio with a new sport. That's where I was heading at the time. And he said, so what do you want? I thought, wow, when's the last time someone actually yeah. asked me that? Isn't that true? When no. is the last time someone asked us that question? And I, So it gave me the, the luxury of thinking about, and I went, red Lamborghini. <laughs> That, that's my voice. That's my voice. Um, Jack, Jack's all about Lamborghinis. His birthday's coming up, right? So it's all Lamborghini, Lamborghini cakes. Lamborghini. So I was like, wow, I'd like to walk on the beach with my wife. Imagine if so dreaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where that started. And that seed was planted. I went through his uh, tremor therapy. He always said to me, he said, John, you had the potential. You, you were just unaware. I was in the bubble yeah. of my name's John McLean. I am a wheelchair athlete and I stayed in that bubble for a long time. He burst the bubble and he said, you can stay in the bubble if you want or guess what, there's m- multiple other bubbles around the world. Come out of that one and have a look around. If you want to walk with your wife on the beach, you better get out of that one. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. And then I could start to take steps, not very – and I fell over many times and that's why I was on the beach because, you know, I was yeah. going to hurt myself as much as uh, other places. And eventually I had that opportunity to walk on the beach and hold hands with my wife, which is a gold medal moment. And it's about kind of creating those and then taking that forward. What's the next step, next step, next step? And now with the carbon fibre technology, that enabled me to do that triathlon. It's crazy for me seeing you two or three years ago in Grappa, seeing you with your crutches and seeing the limited movement you had to seeing you walk down in my house today, down a little hill there with with no crutches all again. It's it's an amazing achievement from an amazing human. I'm so proud to... Yeah, to being, you know, just watching and viewing this journey, it gives me so much inspiration. Thanks, Jim. Well, don't forget I borrowed your shoulder to make sure that I didn't fall over. Maybe just kick me up the bum on the way back out again. So it's always this piece around what can it look like? What can it look like? So I I often say um, the little boy in me is alive and well. It's just in a 54-year-old frame over time. So if you can keep that spark alive for that piece and continue to dream and explore, then life is worth living and looking forward to taking those steps forward. That um, day on the beach with your wife when you finally – maybe that's the big moment of the film, is it? Um, I probably shouldn't go too much into that um, <laughs> so we can enjoy it when it comes out. <laughs> what's, a, what's a day in the life of John McClane like these days? Well, it's different because obviously with COVID and what's happening, my, my job uh, was to jump on a plane and go to a country, whatever country that was, to tell stories about uh, inspiring people. That was my job. And what, a, what an amazing privilege to, wow. to be able to do that. So and all of a sudden this virus hit and that, that ain't happening. People coming together in large groups, you're not getting on planes. Like It just stopped. Um, and then I went, okay, so what can I do? I was working on a piece of animation, which I'll, I'll share with you, Jeff and the team. Um, it was basically an animation to tell a story in uh, two minutes. So that's what that did. So I got that uh, finished. Another thing I thought, I was always talking about putting another book out, but talk about, you know, change a constant challenge. So 
invest that time into that. I then went back to companies that I had spoken for in Australia, uh, and sorry, in some countries around the world to say, I'm happy to jump into a Zoom or a podcast or whatever that is uh, off the back end of trying to answer questions to help people, give them a, a leg up and, and to inspire them. Uh, no cost. Just saying, you know, you were kind enough to engage me. I'm happy to return the favour if you think. And a lot of that started to happen, which then opened up another door, another door. If you don't take that first step, you can never get to, you know, the finish line or, or the world title, whatever that analogy is. So I started to have to do things differently, changing again. That's my thing, right? Going, let's do something that I can do. Forget about what I can't do. When those doors open up, we'll explore them when, when that happens down the track. So all of a sudden now, you know, things are starting to move because this change conversation is very relevant today. Um, do you see yourself more as a motivator for able-bodied people or, or those who have suffered injuries or, or are disabled? Um, I struggle with the word disabled yeah. just to kind of give you my thoughts. Yeah. Um, what, do you, th- what, what word do you use? Well, I think it's different. So if you, if you talk about someone who um, was living a life and then had an accident, mm-hmm. so that was me, you know, 22, so lucky to be able to run and then have an accident and now I'm labelled and that label is you're, you're disabled. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, I don't like that. The guys who I played football with, Mark Guy, you know, Matt Goodwin, all these guys came to visit me in hospital mm. because I was a friend of theirs and all of a sudden now it's like, so that was my driver because to diss someone is not to encourage them, correct? Yep. We all went to school. We yeah, all know yeah, what that yeah. was like. There yeah. was kids you want to be with, kids you didn't want to be with. So if you're dissing someone, push, go away, then you, you've moved to the side and mm. therefore you're not the same. To diss someone is to not encourage is the terminology. So that's when I went, you know what, I don't like that at all. What can I do to help change that conversation? And yeah. that, that was the motivation to go and do the Ironman. Right. It's, is someone going to call me disabled after doing the Ironman <laughs> or is someone going to call me disabled after swimming the channel? Or, or, or And then it got to the point, you know, having a foundation for kids in wheelchairs, uh, we've raised over $4 million for kids in our country. These are kids yeah. you know, who, who get around. Um, that's given me a platform to support them to have a voice. So now it's up to them to decide if they want to fly that flag, up to them. They're cool. If they choose not to, which I'm saying, aren't we all equal? Uh, Black Lives Matter is all about this piece around Black Lives Matter. Well, guess what? So do white. And so does every other. So do all. That's right. So does everybody else. All lives matter. So therefore we need to be looking at that. Uh, am, I, am I better than a black person, black or white, walking, wheeling, you know, visually impaired, not even? We're all the same, right? So just having that opportunity to make the most of the time that we have, you're born here, you die here, what are you going to do with it in between? And the bit about um, empowering people because that's the language I like to use, um, I want to encourage people to see themselves as the best versions that they can be opposed to saying you're disabled, you're not as good as that. You can see there's a, there's a, there's a difference. Um, so I'm, I'm one that wants to uh, change language to empower people to believe in themselves because if someone's saying to maybe the other, let's flip that story, John McLean maybe is born with a condition or has an accident at a really early age and, you know, he's disabled. Who's helping that guy? Who's helping to Jeff? Who's helping, you know, who's helping those younger versions of ourselves? And I'm going to say imagine those kids going to school, us mm-hmm. going to a school in a wheelchair. Would we have gone to the school we went to? Highly likely not. Definitely not. So what school would that have been and how would you have been treated and how would you, you can start to see what a life could have looked like. If that was So now I'm fast-forwarding time with the benefit of wisdom to go, no way, I want that younger Jeff or younger John or whatever to have every opportunity to go and chase all of their dreams and have a fantastic life. So you can see I try and use language that empowers people, not yeah. pull, pull them down. Of course. What's, um, for those people that are suffering with, you know, depression, anxiety, what's this one piece of advice you could give them to help change their mindset? Well, I think there's some things that, that they may not already be doing. Yes, you need to be. I'm not a professional in this space. I think anyone that has a condition needs to be advised by specialist people. But one of the things that have helped me, the importance of meditation, the importance of mindfulness. So what is that? And that's all often through breathing. And when you're breathing and you're really slowing down and concentrating on a breath, all of a sudden the anxiety starts to lower. And therefore, what's, a, what's an example? Um, I always take try, try my dog for a bit of a stroll. And we're just across the park, right? And sometimes I sit there and look at a tree. And this, this how the shade changes over the just a little bit of time. And look, so I'm mindful of the fact that I'm stopping, I'm breathing, dog's fine. Um, and the beauty of a tree. Just examples of things as simple as that. Now, if I'm going all the time, I don't see that. So I think the benefit of helping people, yes, meditation, yes, mindfulness, yes, yoga, yes, uh, all those kinds of things that allows you to slow down and not get so anxious. 
get away from things that are making you anxious. It could be coffee. It could be whatever that adrenaline stimulant kind of stuff is um, and, and start to slow down and have an appreciation and therefore um, that certainly helped me and hopefully can help others as well. Isn't it great you never said red wine, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm, a fa- I'm a fan of quality. <laughs> In moderation, I dare say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so a marathon is the next goal? No, the next goal is – got to work back, right? So okay. the next goal is uh, five. I want to do that with, with him because it's nice and close. Yep. And then if we can do that, then you have to build on that because okay. for some people if they set unrealistic goals too early yep. and they get nowhere near that, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. want to be a world champion and you go to a local gym and you you can't punch. That's, that's when you want to kill yourself, when you can't <laughs> – when you when you don't achieve this, when you, well, that's yeah, when you get yeah, depressed. Yeah, yeah. It's that, like I said, um, yeah. it's – Great that he says that because I, I always remember when Johnny Lewis would, would tell me, Jeff, you could be the state. Everything that he told me were realistic goals and that he really believed that yeah. I could achieve. He never ever told me, you know. Three-time world yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I remember when he told me um, he went away and then um, was just the most bizarre letter that he ever wrote to me, Johnny. wrote me this letter because he had to take Jeff Malcolm. I think he took him to Hawaii to fight and I had to go to the World Cup in Rome and he wrote me a letter. I'll never forget and he said, Jeff, all you're doing and going through now is going to all come to fruition in 1985. And in 85, I become world champion, you know. He said, all you're doing now, all this super hard competition, because I had like 12, 13 amateur fights. I'm fighting the best fighters in the world now that have hundreds of fights. But he said, Jeff, you know, it'll all come to fruition. It'll all come, you'll, you'll see the results of all this in, in 85. In 85, I was world champion, you know. Not that he said I was going to be world champion in 85, but he just, yeah, just some of the, some of the things that he said were, were quite – Quite masterful when I think of, you know, the way that he, he negated them into, in, into me believing, yeah, yeah, he made me believe everything that he said. If, if he honestly said that I could could walk on water, I would have went and tried, you know. If he said I could fly, I most probably would have tried that as well. But, um, yeah, I've been pretty blessed and, um, yeah, just coincidental that um, a lot of the things that we're talking about in the, in, in the position that you're in really um is the outlook in life in general, in everybody, in, in in every sphere that we know. Whether you want to be a great football player, whether you want to be a, a marathon runner, whether you want to be a, a broadcaster, you just got to have those positive feelings, and you got to be able to set yourself those little goals that are achievable. Because once you start learning to to achieve, you want to achieve more. You've had a couple of those Johnny Lewis type figures you've mentioned. Would your dad count in that category? Absolutely. I mean, very fortunate enough to meet Johnny as well. And obviously, yeah. there's a very very strong. And I, so the bit that I love about that, right? And I'll talk about my dad. Yeah. Um, is that something brought them together. What was that? What made you go into that gym at that time for him to say something to change the course of your life? Because as we mentioned earlier, he could have still been doing bricks, right? Something changed that course. So um, I'm fascinated to understand that and how that came to life. But also equally, um, my dad was just the right person for me Mm. um, to say, son, you know, always try your best. I don't care if you come first or last. I don't care. You know, John, it's so strange and bizarre that you say that. Even to this day, I am. I look and I, Johnny and I aren't on the same page today. But I, and I also think of that I trained with Emmanuel Stewart, and I think what an amazing, totally different trainer, different personality, different everything to Johnny Lewis. But when I sit down and really think about it, I kind of think if I didn't have Johnny, would I have been able to achieve what I achieved? If I didn't have Johnny, would I have stayed? You know, in that sport because, uh, yeah, just I, I just don't know. I just think it was what you just said. It was perfectly that right at the time. It was yeah. what I needed. I needed somebody that who I who I loved, who I believed in, who could, whether he thought I was going to do it or whether he didn't really believe, but he, he could just keep me on the edge of thinking if I work hard enough I can achieve this. And then all of a sudden I became state champion. I became Australian champion. I, I travelled over. All of a sudden I went to the Olympics and, and Johnny, during our time – Growing up, he would he would tell me all these things were possible if I if I worked hard and dedicated my life to, to the sport of boxing. And, and I agree. And I look at this all these pictures. Where did that start? That started there. And my dad, as the example again. And my dad wasn't perfect. No one is. Yeah. Right. There's always this time for forgiveness and and, and kind of moving on. So you know, I remember one time with my dad. He's a good example. Um, I'd won all these races at Little Athletics, and the last race was a fifteen hundred meters. Coincidentally, and I was like, you know what? It's dark. Dad's not here. Like I just went through the motions. Oh. He was there. He been to the pub. He got a little bit later, and he had a couple back in the day. You couldn't <laughs> drive the car, as you know. So he looked at me like you know that father son look, right? And first thing he says, get your blocks. So you know your 
runner's blocks, right? So I knew straight away I was in trouble because yeah. he hadn't seen all the stuff I'd won. He only saw the one I didn't try. So then first thing you do, backhand. Great excuse, John. You never tried because you lost. Good on you, mate. No, no, no. no. A backhand. And then I'll, I'm in the car, right, you know, and I've got a little bit of clarity. And he goes, <laughs> and he turned, like, he was so angry. So, again, my dad wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved him dearly. His point was, I don't care if you come first or last, just try your best. You know what, John? You just said that you got a little slap, the, or you got a back end, which I got a lot. Oh, my dad got the builder. We're not allowed to do that today. I mean, I, that, I think that that could have been a defining moment for you when I, when my dad got the builder, when I'd done something wrong. It was certainly for me. And in this day and age, you're not even allowed to yell at our kids. It's, you know, we I got the builder's as well. It was always. Wow. If you swore, that was a building. If you got a bad report card, that was a building. If you disrespected them, that's a – so I got plenty of – funny enough, so I, I used to get the report cards back then. they give it to the students to take them home, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at going, oh, here's a building. So, you know, John could try better. And then Dad was always saying, son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm the one that's crying here. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, it's lucky it wasn't the report card for me. I wouldn't be you. It would be to death. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a different time, right? I think it was a different time. And that worked for me. I wouldn't oh, – it's the last thing to do with our son. But yeah. I think for some of us, maybe you and I, that, that example, we need to be steered back a bit to go that way is not ideal. Uh, this way is probably better for those types that can – but it's not for everyone. Absolutely. You know, John, like I said, all my dad had to do was whistle. We were straight home. We, you know, like I said, um, not that he tried us, but we just respected your parents and respected what had, what had, had to happen those days. And it's, it's changed now. Like, yeah, I still wish I don't, know, I don't know. I wish it was the same. I, I, you know, not that I would like to hit my kids, but I'd like to think that um, you know you could tell your kids how you feel sometimes and make sure they you know, they know what's right and wrong. But um, yeah. But I also agree on discipline. So um, this whole idea of people abusing policemen, whole idea of people abusing first responder ambulance. I mean, where in anyone's world is that right to attack someone who's coming to a scene to save people's lives or to yeah. help them in some? So yes, discipline is lacking in community absolutely. Um, it's just about trying to find the best way to manage that so that doesn't happen going forward. Um, I think we're just about done. But, John, uh, so when will you and Jeff do the 5Ks? When's the, when are we aiming towards? Um, I'm up when you're up, Jeff. I'm up, brother. Okay. Whenever you want. Okay. Uh, so um, let's say soon. Let's say stay, stay let's tuned. Get, let's stay get tuned. Australian Sporting News to film us. Yeah, get them yeah, along. Yeah, we'll get, yep. yeah, we'll get Australian sure. Sporting News down here. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm not going to get a bit of a head start if you're going to be calling the race. <laughs> oh, no, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be here speaking, mate. <laughs> we'll have a couple home. of points no, as well. We'll still be <laughs> But, uh, yeah, on behalf of us guys here and Paul and Ben and um, the guys from Standing 8, uh, well, it's it's an honour to have you. It's an honour to sit beside you and it's an honour um, to be your friend and thank you so much for your time, John. Thanks, too. Yeah, thank thanks, you so, thanks, so much. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, Standing 8, YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify.